Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always in every single episode so far of 2017 is my dear friend Sarah. <laughs> well technically in yes, all of the episodes. Yes, but yes, every single episode of 2015 we've been together. That's great. Um, yes. I said 17 it's... not 15. Did I say, oh, whatever. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I guess technically it's true, though. You're 15 as well. Like, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. it is a new year, 2017. Um, I hope everyone's, you know, appropriately excited and prepared for um, all of the the joys and highlights and, um, and battles against fascism that are ahead of us. Yeah, I was going to say, let's let's talk about being optimistic in 2017. Um, we have had racing, though. I yep. love, 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 love the fact that 2017, the racing starts. I go to bed after I've, you know, seen the new year in. And by the time I wake up, we've already got our first results of the year. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, time zones do help you a little bit there. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And yeah. and if one ever has a hangover, um, which I didn't, um, <laughs> then I didn't. You were still um, then, what, <laughs> then if you're feeling, if it's like a grey, cold, rainy start to the year like it was for me, then there's no better way to get to, to see in the new year than watching cyclocross and watching riders take on the GP Central and Nace, which is the, such a tough race. But yeah, watching bike races is lovely. And it's also very exciting because we've, you know, we've, I've talked before that we've had more and more bike racing being available for us to watch. And this year, 2017 started with two women's races that were live, 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 live. And that's that's really, really, really exciting for me. And I hope a, um, a, a, a feeling of what's going to happen for the year ahead. Well, you know, it, it could well Omen. be. You know, I mean, it'd be nice to see more races um, streaming live, and um, and you know, I do think it's it's um, a nod to the fact that the technology for streaming has improved to the point where it's much. I think Dan's to about to say something negative. <laughs> you are, aren't you? You're building up to say and, but uh, flesh will on. Uh. No, I, I genuinely didn't have that thought in my head. But now that you mention it, fuck you, flesh will on. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> The camera's right there. It's right fucking there. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, thanks, Sarah. Um, everyone appreciates you bringing that moment right up into the very first, like, three minutes of the the first episode of 2017. Jesus. Talk about start as you mean to carry on. Um, <laughs> and talk about carrying on. <laughs> So we saw racing. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the um, the Australian summer of cycling, summer season racing that's going on because we've had two races. We're going to talk about cyclocross. We're going to talk about new kits. We're going to talk about other things we like this year. And then we're going to talk about the calendar. I, as you probably know, do some sporadic uh, calendar research, looking at how the women's cycling calendar changes. And I'm, I'm kind Basically. of halfway through that once a year, Sarah loses a bet to herself that she isn't like an absolute wizard at at Excel and spreadsheets, and so she no. proves herself wrong by wizarding with the calendar and spreadsheets. No, you know what I'm using? You're going to say Google Apple. Sheets or something? No, Apple fucking numbers. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. 
You remember last year when I was literally crying on you? Like, oh my why? god! Why doesn't it do this? You have to like, you can't save it. You can't, you can't export your um, can't spreadsheet you, pages as PDFs unless you go into print, and then there's no opposite button, and then can't there's all these things you can't do on, on on Apple Pages. I never thought I'd love Excel, people, but I adore Excel because then I've used Apple Pages, and it is their worst software oh my ever. God. So I never if, knew if Apple could do bad things, but Apple did. Well, no, that's not true. Yeah. Um, I never knew. I never knew that Apple proprietary software was fucking terrible, but it is. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you're supposed to ask Siri to do it for you. Maybe that's where you're going wrong. Um, oh anyway, we'll move, to, we'll move on to the calendar portion in in a moment. Um, so yeah, it's been the start of the Australian racing block, which means, of course, the Bay Crits, or as they're properly known, the Mitchelton Cycling Classic, I think it is. Mitchelton Bay Cycling Classic. Yeah. Now, dear listener, if you fancy a bottle of wine, next time you do it and you have the option, buy a bottle of Mitchelton wine to say thank you uh, for sponsoring the Bay Crits and also tell them about it on Twitter because, you know, wine and cycling, I think that's a, an under... I think that's an underrepresented sponsor category. It's race. true. It's yeah. true. And actually, I have to say, Australian wineries do actually do pretty good. Um, the Tour of the King Valley in the NRS is headline sponsored by a winery, and um, each of the stages is also sponsored by a winery. Um, so, you know, it's... It, what, separate wineries or the same Yeah, yeah, winery? no, separate. Well, one of the stages last year, I mean, it changes year on year, I guess, but one of the stages last year was the same winery, but there were two other wineries that sponsored individual stages oh, as well. So basically, so. so basically, if you went if you went to see a race in Australia and you went to the Tour of the King Valley, you could just like, enjoy prime, the sponsor. It's honestly primed for the best possible cyclo touring setup ever. Uh-huh. I mean, anything is is when if you were riding between stages, or you couldn't drive, so no, you just that's have to what the, that's sure what the sag wagons. That's what the sag wagons for. Like you get up in the morning, have breakfast, ride your eighty k's to the winery that's sponsoring that day's stage, have the van, the tour van, turn up and pick your bikes up while you get trolleyed for lunch, and then drop you at the finish line to watch the end of the stage. Brilliant. <laughs> Like I said, it's it's primed. It's primed for cyclo touring. Like it's just it's the perfect possible setup. So, you know, it, you get in there. Um, so the summer of cycling, um, it's basically January racing, right? And it's yeah. it's. So we have we have the Bay Crits, and then um, we have Aussie Nationals um, leading in fairly quickly after that, and then there's a, a well couple of weeks, and then the the Cadell Evans races um, kick in to sort of round out the the season as it were the the mini season or block of australian races i guess no no you've missed one too because we have the santos women's tour as well oh yeah yeah we do we do sorry i keep forgetting that one don't know why so santos women's that's four stages i mean i remember i remember dear listener when when we were just um when it was just when life was life was just a crit yeah yeah no and it is uh, yeah i mean genuinely i i just forgot i have no excuse i'm not trying to say anything about that race i just forgot yeah well, anyway Ooh. um so we've had the we've had the bay crits is where we're up to um and and the bay crits if you don't know they're around there's a great big bay in melbourne around melbourne near melbourne melbourne, uh, how do melbourne I wraps it? around the bay is actually the way to explain it and are they suburbs of melbourne like places like port arlington well, and geelong or are they no, so Geelong's, Geelong's a separate city um, just south of Melbourne, which people may or may not remember in 2010 was host to Worlds. Um, Woohoo! 
but um, the the um, Williamstown and and that part is sort of considered the very outer western suburbs of Melbourne. So, you know, like people who live there, when asked, would to someone who doesn't know the area would probably just say, "Yeah, I live in Melbourne." But it's sort of way round the other side of the bay from the CBD and stuff like that. But that said, when um, Melbourne has a really great um, uh, mass participation ride called Round the Bay, um, which literally what what people do is they ride from the CBD around to Williamstown and catch a ferry from just past there across the bay to the southeast side of Melbourne and then ride back up into the CBD. It's about 200k round trip. And, um, oh, that's nice. So you yeah. have a nice break in the middle yeah, so of the it's, ferry. And... It's round the bay in a day. Um, and... Yeah, so so yeah, it's part of Melbourne, but it's like an outer part, but it's also a gorgeous part. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah um, a really popular spot. There's some nice you know beachy areas and stuff like that, and and it's a, a long-standing traditional block of races in Australia. Um, one of the starting on New Year's Day. Yep, yep, started on New Year's Day, which you know sucks for the riders, I guess, but um, depends on how much you like fireworks. Well. Wow. Unless, unless you're the rider who likes fireworks on the road and gets to start 2017 winning the first race of the season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, and, you know, it, it was really nice to see the first race of the season won by an Australian. Um, so... <laughs> sadly, no. no, um, no so... What do you mean, sadly, no? She, she called herself that. She is not an Australian. Excuse me, her quote in one of our national newspapers was, there's a special relationship with me in Australia, you know, we're connected, I'm part of it. So, you know, couldn't, no, that's it, she's Aussie. Okay, Valentina Scandalara is definitely not Australian. So, um, I, what I... I... I most stridently disagree. Now, she's not as Aussie as Emma Johansson, I'll admit her English isn't, you know, accented correctly yet. But um, I have no doubt we can get it there. So, ah, oh, I love Aussies. Um, so yeah, so yeah stage, so... stage one. Um, basically, the you know it's a crit. So, um... shall we talk about how? Shall we talk about how people race it there? Because for people who don't know from the Bay Crits, you have a really interesting setup because Orica obviously send their entire team there because Orica are Australian. They have their entire team out there um, for for you know summer summer. Yeah, and they're Camp, kind of like they're kind of the big team on the block, you know, for these races because they are very much so. You know, they're 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 the outfit, like Sarah says, has everyone there, um, is fully supported. Um, all of the AIS connections are, are strongly there. You know, like like they're the team and they're the one that everyone sort of looks to to put the team together. There might be a few other, you know, um, guest teams or or riders guest riding for a, a national team or something like that. You know, like a national level team, like an NRS level team or something like that but um or like Valle Scandalara where she was in a, a um cobbled together Ale Cipollini team um, no 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 no, not Ale Cipollini not oh sorry Ale no Cipollini. no not Ale Cipollini Ale um so so they yeah. have some domestics that you have some domestic squads yes. like specialized and you have some riders who enter it as solo riders so for if so for example the high five dream, t- dream team didn't yep. enter officially this year but some of their riders were in there as solo riders but you also have this really interesting thing that happens where um for example uh, valentina scandalara last year she got in touch she wanted to ride them she got in touch with ale uh the brands because ale or sponsor ale cipollini she's italian they're italian 
um, they have a big outfit, Alley Australia, and she got in touch with Alley Australia, and they basically said, yeah, we'll fund a team. So she just asked around, you know, people, riders who happen to be there, do you want a race? Yeah. And they did, which I love. I love, 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 love. So this year... Um, the LA team included Chloe Hosking, who will be, who is an LA Cipollini rider yes, yes. Uh, this this season. But it's it's a yeah, really so nice thing that happens. It, it is, and then it is nice, but you get this weird dichotomy because then you've got teams like you know the Holden women's team, which is an NRS team, um, you know, and and competing against you know an LA team that is sort of you know um, Euro based pros partly you know, sort of working together just to, to make sure they get a ride versus Orica. And so yes. you, you get this weird dichotomy of, of things. And then, it, it, but it also, like you were saying earlier, basically puts Orica at the forefront because they're, they are the most complete team at the race. Can I just, can I just say one more team, just highlight one more yep. team that I really loved. The other thing is this year they had, um, and last year as well, they had a team from Japan. And again, this is like, they're not an actual team, but they were sponsored by the Geelong Novotel. Yep. So, 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 so you have these teams that aren't teams that you'll see anywhere else. Yeah. But I love it. I love, I mean, obviously Japan is, Japan is the, clo- well, the closest place for racing apart from Chongming Island. But it's just so yeah. nice to see that, that the, that the, that there's opportunities for Japanese riders to get Absolutely. chances to race. Um, Absolutely. J- Japanese cycling's on the up and up, yeah, and it's yeah. just, it's just, it's just nice. It's good. No, no, it's, and it's great. And they can forge um, relationships with yep. other riders and with other yep. teams. They can be seen, and literally, they could be seen because this year it was streamed live. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Actually, I want to bookmark it and come back to that when we talk about the calendar because that, yeah, factors in very much to one of the things I want to touch on there. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like you get these these kind of, um, you know different setups but it certainly means that you know as opposed to like you know let's say flanders where everyone's looking at bowls or or you know someone like that as the the kind of team to keep an eye on or whatever orica plays that role in these races um which leads to some really interesting uh things in the racing so you know it's a crit um the bunch stay together for you know the bulk of the the first part of the race and then um a break comes um you know around about 45 minutes through uh seven riders get away um four of those seven riders are orica nice (laughs) which you know is great but as um as astute listeners and and uh and you know recent listeners even because we mentioned this last week may recall orica aren't entirely unfamiliar with getting large numbers into a break and then somehow managing to snatch victory uh snatch defeat from the jaws of victory um (laughs) so unfortunately they had four riders in the group and spratty attacked uh chloe hosking covered her um and so that was shut down fairly quickly and um and they were caught uh in the end um a small group which included uh jessica allen from orica shannon mulseed from holden women's cycling and scandalara valley um get away and valet managed a comfortable win so that was stage one uh, puts puts Valley Scandalara in the leader's jersey and first stage of the Bay Crits. Well done. I mean, first first race of the year, and it's 
really i mean ballet won ballet won the first stage last year i think uh, as well and i but she had a terrible year last year like she was sick things didn't go well with her team she was just things just things just weren't right for her at all and and i think it was a really depressing year she'd her absolute goal in life was to go to the olympics she didn't get to you know she didn't get to go to the olympics it's always hard for italians anyway because their team is so strong but yeah that was difficult she had a difficult year but she she does do well in the Bay Crits. I mean, she won the Port Arlington stage last year. Um, and and so, you know, she's got form in these races. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. But then, you know, since she won the Bay Crits last year, she had that terrible, terrible year. So yeah. I, all I'm saying is, it's it's you know i'm i'm happy really happy to see valet win that race you know and and she's she's riding for a new team this year wm Bree pro cycling which uh you may know as fortitude which you may know as mariana boss's team and so i'm just i'm just happy for her yeah, like yeah, no, I, it's... I, it, it's not that i wouldn't have been happy for other people to win so i'd be happy for other people to win too but i'm just happy you know when a rider comes back from injury yeah or sickness and you know that they've really struggled and then they win. And even if it's, you know, it's not the biggest race in the world. It wasn't the biggest field in the world. Yeah. But it's it's still a lovely, lovely race. And it's still a oh, big yeah. deal. So, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I, it's it, it's still meaningful because, you know, you start the year and you win a you first race you're riding. And maybe, you know, psychologically that makes you think, yeah, maybe I can come back. Maybe, maybe I can, maybe that shit is behind me. Yeah, and I can yeah. look ahead and onwards and upwards. So, I'm happy for her. Absolutely. Now, you know how I sort of semi-facetiously crack some perhaps slightly unfair jokes about Orica's ability to get four riders out of a total of five into the break and still miss the the win? (laughs) Yes. Um, And you know how I also facetiously may have made jokes along that line before, particularly about that infamous year in Qatar where they had like 200 riders in the break and managed to not win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Arika as a team listened to our podcast religiously and were (laughs) kind of pissed off about that because holy fuck did they take stage two in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, they, they they decided to go. So stage one, and um, stage two is the queen stage. So our stage, stage one is the hot dog circuit, which Dan doesn't believe they exists. Don't exist. as a thing. Like, all we have here is like at at most, I would allow calling it a democracy sausage circuit. That's it. That's the <laughs> It's democracy sausage. You don't have those. No wonder your voting turnout so shit house. <laughs> No, when we when we have an election at the polling booth, there's always someone there with a barbecue, and you get like a sausage on a bit of bread with some, you know, onions and maybe a bit of sauce. It's fucking delicious and like democracy. Yay! You don't it's have those democracy. Democracy tastes of cheap hot dogs. They're not hot dogs. They're sausages on a bit of bread. That's not a hot dog. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Obviously, you're still hung up on your constitutional monarchy. Like you just don't get democracy. Yeah, we didn't vote for um, what's his face. I've I've, I've what? seen what Centrelink is doing to what's Australians. His, what's his name? Um, Gordon Cam- budgie David smuggler, Cameron. Man. That's the one. Who's, who's the man with the budgie smuggler? Tones. Tones is like in the backbench these days. You know, he's anyway. He's nothing. Anyway, plus let's not let's not let's not be damn cry if I buy politicians in in budgie smugglers. Like seriously, dude. <laughs> <sighs> 
Anyway, um, before I mention Nauru and make Dan and, and turn Dan into a into a wibbling pit of depression, as all Australians should be at the thought of Nauru, um, let's talk about stage two. So, stage two, the, the Queen stage. You, you reckon you reckon Orica might have decided that rather than get all our riders into the break and then lose, they try something different this time, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, they they clearly went a different tactical direction. They, um, Which they, was? They put everyone at the front and started attacking right away. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they didn't let anyone else get away with shit. <laughs> and so finally they got uh, a nine rider group did get away um, after um, two thirds of the race had, had basically gone. Um, and of that nine rider group, guess how many were Orica? Oh, what's the maximum number you can have in a race? Six? Uh, Well, no, maximum team size for this is five. Okay, so I'm guessing five then. Yes, you are correct. They had five (laughs) in the break. And then then they did, then they they finally did, when you do manage to get your entire team into the break, what's the most obvious tactic in order to get someone away to win? Put Um, all your riders on the front and let one of them ride away. (laughs) And the other and the other riders are basically yeah, riding the line. And the, the other riders so accidentally unclip through. one foot or something and go, oops, I don't know, and spread all over the or whatever it is. Ride sideways, yeah. see if they can ride sideways, <laughs> exactly. that kind of thing. So is that what they did? Exactly. So they did and that? So, so Amanda Spratt managed to keep both feet clipped in and um and get away up the road. As it turns out, Spratty um raced the fuck out of the rest of this grid. She nearly lapped them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to win the race because they're pulled out of their laptop. Yeah, well, at, at that point, at that at the point that she was closing in for the lap, Orica went, "Oh, okay, fuck, let's attack again." <laughs> so, so Spratty won by a minute thirty-seven, um, and then and then Orica took on a mini sprint for the rest of the podium positions. So. Um, yeah, it was it was a, an Orica one two three with Amanda Spratt first, Janelle Crook second, and Annemiek van Vleuten in third. So awesome! Yeah. So yeah. So um, hurrah! Hurrah so, for Orica! So that's definitely a different way to do it, and and some would argue a more successful way. So. Oh, I love I love it I love it I love it when you can lap the whole field and the field has been run by your <laughs> being run by your teammates. Congratulations, well, I, Orica! That that sounds like fun. Honestly, and uh, this I know this will sound like I'm still being a, a cheeky bastard, and look, I I'm not even going to pretend that I can defend the claim that I'm not being a cheeky bastard, but. <laughs> That won't stop me making the claim. I, I genuinely hope that this tactical success informs Orica's development of tactics for the rest of their season. So... <laughs> oh, come on. You've got to admit that if Orica, you know, lost this, lost this tactic, you know, did become tactic, did, did, did decide to change the tactics somewhat, you'd be a bit disappointed because you do enjoy this joke. Oh, no, look, I see that's you're making the assumption that their new tactic will will work like i'm just i'm just assuming that i'll get a new joke <laughs> that's hilarious so what happened in stage five in the last stage stage so three? last stage stage three um basically orica did the same sort of thing um attacked early worked hard to um get a gap sarah roy was um the the one who got away with chloe hosking um, but Hosking was basically um, 
Valet. Writing for valet, so she was not working. She was just sitting in and making sure that the work didn't, uh, the gap didn't get too far out. Oh, I bet. And, I'm, and Chloe, Chloe is good at mind games. Oh, she's great right. at mind I games. Chloe, also... I, bet, I, bet, I bet Chloe did that in the kind of absolutely most frustrating way in the oh, world, like 100%. laughing to herself. Of course. She probably, probably laughed and, you know, sort of sang to herself under her breath about how she loved being dragged for free to the, the finish line. Also, oh, <laughs> you know? maybe, 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 some encouragement you're doing yeah. really well Possibly. like <laughs> hey sarah sarah roy hey hey great job oh you're such a good lead out oh wow will you lead me out when we're in europe i mean i know we're on different teams but will you lead me out for a sprint in europe or whatever like you know purely speculative but i'm sure that's exactly how it went um so anyway um, it, it took a while for the move to be caught but <laughs> eventually um uh, there was another gap with um, uh, Jessica Allen and um, Arlene Skerritt and um, uh, someone else came, Lucy Bechtel, that's right, um, to, came across um, and they stayed clear till the end. Um, Jessica Allen managed to get a, a bit of a gap punch clear of the other two on the la- the second last lap and took the solo win in then um lucy bechtel came in for second racing for special ed women's racing um which is the an nrs team and ellen skerritt who was racing for la as well came in third and valet scandalara won the bunch sprint to take fourth on the stage and retain the leader's jersey for the overall Won the overall. Yeah. Valentina won the first rate first race stage of the year and first GC of the year. Yeah, and um and full credit to Orica could taking two out of three stages, you know. Um so good racing for them and and I'm sure genuinely a um a good shot in the arm for them as again, you know, that team that has the weight of all those expectations sitting on them in these Well, races. it's difficult because because as we said, they go into Aussie Nats and Aussie Nats don't have and Jess Allen won the won the Aussie Nats crit stage, which you can also you can watch all of these on our site, prowomenscycling.com yeah. because SBS I don't quite understand why SBS are putting the videos on their Facebook because I thought only olds used Facebook these days yeah, but you know I, what do I, I know i don't know the actual reasoning i can only uh, guess that it's something to do with budget stuff because sbs have had budget cuts because <laughs> we have you know tories for government because fucking idiots because um, this is the year of the right wingers <laughs> yeah well uh, uh, you started it anyway let's not I talk wish, let's, I wish let's, we let's... Could just section them all off and send them away and no you started it <laughs> anyway um yeah so um so so the thing that orica is going to have at nats is that you don't have a limit on how many riders from your team can race yeah, yeah. so they get to have all their australian riders racing in road nationals yeah. and they're the biggest um they're the only uh they're the only UCI-based women's team, uh, so they're, they're, they're the kind of only Australian pro team, really. So they get to ride. So you have this weird situation where, on the one hand, you have uh, all of Orica, all of Orica heading into road nationals together. Then you have the domestic team, so your Holdens, your Specialized, your um, all of those, all of the, yep. you know, some really, some really fun teams, High Five Dream Team. But they, but they, but they're not. But obviously, that's different to. To, to a full time, you know, then they're not necessarily full time, right? You know, not even necessarily yeah, yeah. full time. 
Well, and then exactly, you have... but then you also have the wrinkle of the fact that the Australian Nationals course doesn't change year to year. Yes, but but there's also going out onto it individual riders so for example tiffany cromwell yes. uh, of canyon stram she's going to be there now there's no point for chloe hosking to ride the road nationals because as you say the road national course never 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 well ever changes. it changes once every 10 years maybe and, and it's and, for, and, that's, and it's for climbers and it's a big maybe because you know when we say it changes once every 10 years maybe that's because once it has changed in the last 10 like if for 10 years it was one course and then they changed it and said it will be this course for at least 10 years but we don't know if at the end of those 10 years they will change it or they'll keep it pretty much pretty much no other country does this yeah um every pretty much every single other national championships country um at least in like significant cycling countries they move their road naps around around the country a uh, around their country but b they try to have a different kind of course so for example your sprinters like your you know your sprinters can have a chance to be national champion on a course you know on, on yeah. a course in in the, during their career at least a couple of times so you know it's it's just it's it's super it's super frustrating because if you've been a rider if you're a sprinter who started her career at, at, at the wrong time you're basically going to have 10 years of your life where there is no chance of you ever winning the race and actually haha look i finished it aren't i you know that that's that's an that's an achievement and i feel sorry i i, I do feel sorry for your riders like you know especially chloe hosking because she's the top yep. australian sprinter one of the top sprinters in the world uh she's been you know her career's been during this 10 years will she ever get the chance to be to you know it, it's yeah. not even that it's not even that so some riders never get the chance to be champion because they don't you know something goes wrong on the day but at least they have a chance to on a to ride a course that suits them. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, like I mean, it's well, spiriting. The, the simplest way I can explain it is, you know, heading into Worlds last year, Chloe was legitimately and genuinely one of the favourite contenders. You know, not not yeah. not by any means the only favourite, but one of, and rightly so. She was coming off her best season of her career, um, and yet. We can talk about her coming off the best season of her career, being a genuine contender for the World Championships, a top 10 finish in the World Championships, and doesn't have a prayer of winning the National Championship. Yeah, winning ever. Not ever. Like that's. You know, it it is an extraordinary thing to say. Um, Now, Cycling Australia have their reasons for it. They say that it makes it fair because riders know what to prepare for and blah, blah, blah. But. You know, I mean, you can argue it around not, and around and not. around, but the the simple fact of the matter is that it doesn't um, create genuine competition amongst different kinds of riders and blah blah blah. Even so, at the end of the day, this is what it is. So yeah, I mean, the thing is, is 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 it's not like it's fair anyway. If they wanted to make it fair, they'd limit, for example, Orica to 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 six, you know, to, to, to six to five or six riders. It's, I mean, yeah. It's going to be so anyway, national championships. Um, yeah, and Arica as, as have, you said, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of yeah. pressure on Arica because they're expected. You know, they're expected to 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 to, to win, and they don't always. I really loved um, Peter Mullins a couple of years ago, just basically just attacking like a lunatic, yeah, and yeah. while the other big riders were looking at each other, she got away and won. Well, so it's not it's, that Arica have a deal in the bag. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, and it's not like they're all colluding to to make sure you know, their designated rider wins or whatever. But 
um, as we all know, you know, teams that ride together tend to ride together. Um, uh, but it's it's also one of those things, though. It creates this weird thing where you know everyone loves an underdog, so you love seeing someone like Peter Mullins get up, or you know, if if Tiff Cromwell has a great day coming up on Sunday and and manages oh, to get away, that amazing. would be that would be awesome. But you know, you you just kind of have to see how it goes because there's so much of it that that could just play to the numbers. Um, yeah. You know, and, but this will be on TV. Well, on yeah, it will, but it won't be on TV live. It'll be so the broadcast on Sunday. The road race, women's road race, starts at eight AM on Sunday, um, but the telecast uh, starts at one PM. Uh, the rumor is that there will be highlights, extensive highlights, is what the press release says of the women's race before showing the live coverage of the men's race. Um, it might be it, it the press release also says it'll be streaming live but i don't know if that just means that they'll be streaming the same broadcast in the afternoon live so you can watch it online instead of on the tv or yeah, if that's, they'll that's be my streaming understanding. yeah i mean so you know just going to have to play that a little bit by ear but i wouldn't hope for too much but it's better than nothing you know and i'll put the links on the site pro com, and you know it's pretty good for us in europe because it means that we can see the broadcast yeah. without having to be up in the middle of the night yes yes indeed now i do just want to say i know you already mentioned this but i do just want to say it was very cool to see jess allen come in third on stage one take out stage three of the bakerits and then today tonight actually um literally just well what about three hours ago won the the australian crit championship so she's clearly in great form um, so it'll be interesting to see um, what uh, favours she may have um, to pay back to some of her teammates on Sunday as well. <laughs> well, yes, yes. So um, we talked about, uh, about Valage Scandalara winning her first race um, yep. as a WM3 pro cycling rider. And she wasn't the only one who did that because we also saw Mariana Voss win the GP Sven Nace on, sun- on on Sunday. Sunday, yes, on yep. Sunday. The first European race of the season uh, in her first ever race in WM3 colours, which I really like. It's black. Did you... I wanted to talk... Just mention that Orica's new kit is black. You know, like how randomly... Uh, teams managed to get the same colors going you know every year yeah. and, and some years yep. and it's been orange and this year it looks like the color of the peloton is going to be black yeah it, it seems to go on a, a bit of a cycle like black and blue both come around fairly regularly i've noticed so yeah um... Orica from being white Orica scots they're now black kits um and WM3 Pro Cycling, they have this black kit, but they have this fantastic slash of green over the over the like the triangle of green that looks really really predatory on the helmet. <laughs> so Ellen Van Moy had been out solo from very early on in GP Sven Nace, and Mariana Voss just attacked, and she does that thing where she looks like like predatory on a bike anyway. But then she got her head down this like slash of green, and it looks almost shark like, yeah. and you just start singing the Jaws theme tune as she's like bringing it down, getting closer and closer to Van Loy and then overtakes her with like um I think a lap to go and does this as a they ride together they rode together for a while and then did that, and Mariana doing the Mariana thing where she waits for the psychological attack where she's basically saying yeah you can come with me but you know if you come with me I'm just gonna do this again and again and again and again which <laughs> and you so know it's it's an awesome uh thing to see her back and winning um 
you know, and and I like you were saying about Valet, I mean, hopefully indicates um, the start of a really strong season for her. Oh, it's so good to see Mariana Voss back on the cyclocross. She's won. This is she won uh, Diegem. She won the first uh, her first World Cup for nearly two years at Houston Zolder. Um, just obviously, Mariana had to miss the cyclocross season last year. She faced, you know, she's had this terrible couple of years at health wise. And Mariana loves loves cyclocross loves cyclocross she loves all bike racing but but cyclocross is something very near to her heart and so for her not to be able to ride across at all last year was you know heartbreaking for her and she's back and she's back with a really interesting you know set of rivals you've got Talita de Jong who because cyclocross changes their team over Christmas uh, over the over the new year so yeah. on the like two days before you're racing as rabo live um where, where talita de jong and mariana Voss are on the same team and then two days you know three days later they're racing on different teams because uh, talita de jong has joined laris wow deals for 2017 um yeah it's it's oh it's just so nice to see her back and to see there's a bit where the where the commentator said she looked really enjoying herself but it's like yes yes she does and <laughs> so she's won, so she's won a couple of races she's had problems with her recovery of hopefully touch wood touch wood touch wood that's behind her um hopefully we'll see the return of mariana and i god i really 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 want to see i just you know you want to see her return because as a human being someone whose job is to race bikes who can't race bikes because they're ill and they don't know whether they're going to have their career next year and they've and they you know and they and they can't race bikes in the olympic year and that's what they've been working towards i mean it, that's just heartbreaking yeah, to me yeah, as a person absolutely absolutely but then on a racing point of view it's even be- it's 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 amazing to so you know it's lovely to see them back then but from a racing point of view the more you know the more competition the better basically so hurrah hurrah for mariana Voss being back uh wm3 pro cycling kits we've seen um yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's which... there's still some good sites this weekend is lie is cyclocross national championships this weekend so uh there'll be some of that that you can watch live and i'll put that on the blog pro women's cycling.com with how to watch the aussie national championships too um yeah but yeah and fun, look fun with, racing. With, yeah yeah absolutely and as you say awesome to see mariana voss back i was going to mention this next thing um a little later but the 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 um segue and the the link is too clear to ignore so on the subject of riders who are back there was a really cool interview in cycling news with trixie warwick um about her um season ahead now she has been back for a little while but um it was talking about her sort of one of her well her now favorite moment of her career where she won um the national time trial in mid-june after coming back from um uh, having lost her kidney um, after the terrible accident at Trofeo Alfredo Binder last year and um, and how that's now the best moment of her career because it was so hard to come back and she wasn't even sure if she could race and so, you know, to come back and win. But also then to talk about um, how she's very aware now that while she's got a couple of years of racing left in her that the injuries left lasting consequences on her career and that she may not be you know able to win as much as she was able to in the past and how her goals now are are shifting to be more geared around 
uh, mentoring and helping her teammates, um, which I think is, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, for me, I just count this as a really positive and, and nice story. Trixie Warwick's one of the, you know, genuine uh, legends of the Peloton, you know, and a fantastic writer and, um, and been around forever. She's, she's one of the writers who's been around the Peloton for the longest. Yeah, at yeah. this point, and has the and, the respect and love of the whole Peloton. You know, like she's she's a great person, and and you know, I I really welcome um, the, the the whole idea of her, and I love the whole idea of her. You know, working not just to help her teammates win, but to towards a position, you know, she's quite clearly saying that she wants to get into mentoring and coaching as, as part of her strategy over the next few years. And that's awesome. It, it always makes me happy when women bike riders stick around in the because they don't have the opportunities that the men, like a lot of the mm. men, if you're, if you're, if you've been a successful man bike rider, some team is going to give you the chance to learn, you know, to be second DS and to kind of, or, or maybe to have a job schmoozing sponsors. You know, yeah. maybe your job is to basically drink beer in the beer tent with sponsors and talk about all those amazing moments yeah. in your career with people who've been, you know, who, who, who were your fans, you yeah. know, and they don't have that so much for women. And I'm just delighted that there are more and more opportunities. I really love the UCI's um, push to get, uh, they, they do run a scholarship program every year where, women who've been who bike racers can get that can get a free place on their on their ds course which is a qualification that you should that it's not it's not compulsory for the women uh women ds's and women's teams yet but it's still you know it gives it gives them an opportunity to actually learn those skills and and get that qualification so they can kind of go around there because we see a lot of you know i mean a couple of years ago you'd see the ds i mean the ds of the of the american national team for example who came out really openly and said oh yeah you know i don't know anything about women's racing but you know i'm going to do this for a couple of years and i'm going yeah. to ds the men and then i did the fm 23 men and then i'll be able to ds for men's teams yeah yeah and it was a step on the, and it was a, you know we're, so dsing for women was seen as a step on the way to dsing you know to dsing men's teams and it's not like that anymore yeah, with a, you know with a it's barely with a barely silent silent real dsing you know, in the quote about it, you know, it was just... Yeah, 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 he was just, oh. But now, you have people like, um, last year, you had people like Ina Yoko Thunberg uh, DSing the USA national team, and that, and wow, you could see that in the results, the difference. Yeah, Like, so it's, so there's a, there's a really, it's lovely that there are opportunities for women's riders to stay there. And, you know, Trixie, I'm sure, Trixie Warwick, I'm sure, will be, fantastic and you know georgia bronzini's always already put her stall out that i know she didn't retire last year she's on her final year of her career again yes um but her plan is to go into being uh, you know to dsing and coaching and, and helping you know and that's exactly. i'm so pleased that we have the chance you know I, I guess i guess my feeling for 2016 women's cycling is that it is getting better and i'm really happy about that we do have some caveats and that's a good segue because <laughs> of the calendar Yes, yes, indeed. And, who oh boy, the calendar would comes with some caveats. Can I just say, like, Sarah's been hard at work this week, you know, as we said before, wrangling with, of all things, Apple numbers. <laughs> um, trying, to, trying to make some sense of the calendar. I loved your intro to the first post that you had about it, um, where you basically explained that um, in previous years, you tried to sort of do some calendar analysis early, and 
you know, this year you finally sort of accepted that it changes so much between when it's first announced and when racing actually starts that there was just no point <laughs> trying oh. to make sense of it until we got closer to the start of the season. And it's still and was... it's still bloody chaotic, but, you know, at least it's, like, I don't know, half as chaotic as it was. So last year between... So the UCI women's calendar is announced in October mm. um, at World Championships. And I would argue that that's a bit too late anyway, because the average team, by the time of October, you know, the, the average team is sorting out its budget well in advance of October. But, you know, well, 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 well in advance. Um, or I could say they have their race program nailed down in June for the following year. So yeah. they'd have their race pro- program nailed down in June 20, 2016 for for the 27th season because you have to because you have to get your sponsors you have to say to your sponsors how much money you want well exactly you've Uh, got to have your budgets worked out you have to hit your sponsors up for that amount of money and then you've got to have worked out exactly you know where that money's going and then coordinate training schedules and rider schedules and stuff to get them to those things you know it's 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 a fucking nightmare and and let me put it this way when we're talking about orica you know, while it's not the biggest team at the at the pointy end of the peloton, it's also not the smallest team. You know, there are teams that that have to do it on much tighter margins than Orica. Um, yeah, and and so it's very very difficult what to decide what to race. But it's even more difficult. So between the UCI calendar in 2016 uh, being announced and mm. the races actually happening, there were 45 changes. Yeah, like 45 races changed. Yeah. Now, out of those. Um, 22 races were added onto the calendar sometime after October, and I, well, I, I looked at it for um, I looked at it between uh, in December and I looked at it in February, and I, you know, realist. But the thing is, is no one actually tells racers when no. when or teams when new races are added onto the and calendar. There's, and- there's no announcement or updates about this shit, which I find absolutely staggering. But even the things, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, so I apologise. But like, um, like you say when you're doing the analysis of of this year like the the french races we still don't you know now you hear that they're on but there's still no official word on that because apparently the paperwork hasn't been filed so yeah so we had so 45 yeah 45 races changed between october and racing of those 22 were added after october of those, seven of those 22 were added after october but then cancelled before they were raced Jeez far out and eight other races were cancelled now some of these things happen because they put a date in and then they change the dates and that could be for all sorts of positive reasons and you know maybe those races those races are also inviting teams directly you know should be inviting teams directly but and sometimes those races are added on late because there's a fight between the national federation who has to okay them so this year for example that so last year for example three french races weren't on the calendar at the start in october or december and but they did run yeah and that's tour de britannia tour de Ladesh, and the chrono champion uh chrono de nations um this year they're not on the calendar either and people have been saying to me oh well the uci have told me that the tour de Ladesh is going ahead it's just that the french fed haven't sent the paperwork in and that could be because the french fed is fat is bad administratively or it could be that there are questions about the race that the race hasn't answered but yeah. i think it's ridiculous like here we are in 2017 the season started we don't know whether the tour, you know teams don't know whether the tour de Ladesh will run the Tour de Ladesh often ends up with mixed with a lot of mixed teams um, because you know and 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 there's a you know and you think well if I was a big race 
this is a race that can't even be on the calendar we don't know whether it's going to be on it or not if you put yourself down for a race that may or may not happen then you and it doesn't happen that's a gap in your calendar and a waste of sponsors money and a waste of riders time and a waste, yeah. a waste of sort of waste of all sorts of things you know you may not even get your travel cost reimbursed yeah, for example yeah, exactly so so it's just i just don't think it's good enough and if i was the use what i'd like the uci to do is to actually be hardcore about this and say okay if a race is not on the calendar by 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 october it's not allowed to be on the calendar for the following year or yeah absolutely i mean i think i think that i mean at the same time i can understand their potential hesitation when you know it's it's say something like um you know the chrono designations which you know has run for years and and you don't want them to put it on anyway and and just you know fuck the uci sort of attitude but you know i mean even if even if it is accepting it but but you know relegating it one one classification back or something like that would but be... there is no other cal- there's no classification to relegate if you're a point at the moment the uci categories are world tour 1.1 1.2 but um, but that's not as the same thing as in men's ra- in, in men's racing as well they have uh, but they you know they have a world 2.1 race world 2.2 race you know 1.1 yeah. 1.2 within categories but there's only one tier of racing for women yes yeah. so you're either uci or you're not now in the men's time you can be world tour pro conti continental yeah yep. they're they're different levels so you can't relegate a women's race well that's and part, that's that's, what... that's part of my point though is that you know this is again this is exactly why it's so important and and genuinely urgent for the uci to get around to actually creating another tier of women's racing but i think i think the major message it sends is that i mean it was absolute i knew that last year was chaotic yeah and I'd only rec- and I only you know and I and there are tons and tons of races that I could have missed because I basically looked at the calendar in October, the calendar at the end of de- in December, the calendar in February, and then the calendar that was raced. Now there could have been all sorts of changes that I missed in between times. What they also need to do is to have like a monthly, um, a monthly or even a fortnightly bulletin that just tells people this race has happened, this race hasn't happened, this race is cancelled, this race is changing because no one tells. Because I was surprised I, about this. You know, the, you know no the, one actually. There's no one tells. No one tells the racers. Yeah, I know. They you just know, have you know to the, find out for themselves. You know the utterly amazing thing that exists today that almost every other organization or company or government body or whatever in the world would do in that situation they write a press release they publish it on their website and then they would tweet about it or put it on their facebook or holy shit maybe even do both and email it out to people you know like all technology that exists you can even get free versions it's amazing they could they could I know, it's because someone someone adds someone adds these races to the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And if they're being added if they're being added to the calendar, that's the time then you can tell teams because hey, teams you don't wanna, know. You wanna know the absolutely amazing thing? Like the truly I shit you not, like it's almost magic thing, is you can actually get plugins for your website so that when you update your calendar, it automatically tweets those things or emails those things to groups that you set up and shit. You can actually do it so yeah. it just does it for you. 
I mean, to me, to me, tweeting to the teams is tweeting is less important because to me, the most important thing is telling teams what's going on. Yeah, it's not. Uh, don't get hung up on the tweet thing. I'm just saying, uh, like, I'm not meaning tweeting as in tweeting should be important for its own sake. I'm saying there are multiple channels you could use: Twitter, Facebook, email, etc. You know, fucking link it to YouTube, automatically generate a video. All of this shit can be done right now in 2016, even in the past which would actually notify teams about this stuff. It's not hard. It's not beyond the ability of the organization to do this shit. Except apparently it is. Yes. So the bad news about 2017 is we've got fewer races um, than we had last year. Last year, we had 98 UCI races. That's World Tour 2.1, 2.2 and World Championships. Yeah? Yep. Um, I don't count national championships because they're not races that any, only you know, only people yeah. from one country can enter the national championships. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, winning, winning. And there's a world of difference fair, between all, winning. Yeah, not all national championships are created equal. So, mm. exactly. So last year, we had 64 day races and 34 stage races, 98 races in total. Yeah. This year, we've got 53 races, so that's down from that 11 less. We've got, 17, we've got 26 stage races down from 34 and 79 races in total. Ouch. I, I mean, I have to say I, that's disappointing, but I, it's honestly not that surprising in a post-Olympic year. Now, yes, and so there's some things on there. So when we say we've got 79 races, and last year we had 98, there's three French races that, that that may or may not be coming back on the podium. And there's also three South African races that run this year. Now, I really feel for the South African races because they run in November, and it seems like the UCI's latest plan is that the season, is that the year starts in November. Yeah, of course it does i guess according to their weird blood cult calendar or something now it's not after world championships because there are races in october that happen after world yeah. championships in most years that that, that are on the calendar yep and i really again i really i don't i can sort of see why that happens because this is when the new season starts any points from now on go towards the rankings however i think they should put those races on the cat i think there should be a different difference between the rate the calendar should show all races that are happening this season because this means that the south african races never get to be on the calendar because they announce it in they announce the calendar in october the races happen in november yeah, yeah. and so those South it's now, it's, so it's now the role. So when the when the team is looking through the year, they're looking down the calendar. South African races are invisible, and that's why they don't get so. You know, obviously one of the reasons they don't get so many teams going to them is because you know they're in November, they're after Worlds, a lot of riders are on breaks. Um, it's in South Africa; it's a long way to travel. However, it's it's. You know what I mean? It's like you could at least give them the chance by putting them on the calendar. So let's say rather than having 79 races instead of 98 races, we've actually got 85 races. So we've only lost 13 races between yeah. last year and this year. And that means that we are only one race behind what we had in 2015. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the positive, which was 86. Right. 
we've also when i look at races i also look at in terms of racing days as well yeah, because yeah. there's also a difference on the calendar between number of races and racing days because you could you know if you've yeah. got a race if you lose a race that's that's set so the total Ardesh, uh seven seven racing days that's a bigger impact to lose than four or five day races yeah, yeah. so yeah. i always look at this in terms of racing days and races yeah and in 2017 we'll have 174 racing days last year we had a in 2016 we had 183 2015 we had 186 okay so yeah again i mean it's different but it's not that bad really well it's not that bad but it's still depressing it is still yeah i mean what we've seen the way that the calendar's been going is there's been an overall pattern of increase in women's races. I've been looking at this since 2006, which was the first year CQ ranking has full information. Um, the UCI now has on their website races going back to 2002. So at some stage this year, if I get really, if I can kind of get over my um, Apple pay, yeah. Apple numbers, yeah, yeah the hatred, trauma I'm going to go back inflicted. and add in. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back in and look from 2002 because I am a believer of if the information's there, use it. Um, I, uh, yeah. it's literally, you should see my five bar, g- my five <laughs> bar gate, add on my fingers and, and you oh, know, no, add counting no. down with a little pen tapping on my screen. But yeah. um, Look, uh, so we've been going up in number of races because in 2006 we had, uh, and that we had 50, what, 57 races that year and we had 150 racing days. So going from 57 in 2006 to 79 in 2017, so it is, is, is definitely, definitely a step up. Yep. And we went from 150 racing days in 2006 to 174 in 2017. And what happens, though, is it's not a smooth curve. Yeah, that's, what happens that's is it, the problem is it's not linear growth, is it? You know, it's not, it's not slow and steady. It's, you know, one year we're up a few, and then, you know, we're down a few, and... Yeah. So what happens is is each each Olympic year of the last three Olympic cycles has been up mm. on the others. So if you you know draw a line across the Olympic years, it's it's definitely going in a good in a strong direction, and and that's and that's really positive. You know, like you look at it. So um, yeah, that that it's it's a really positive thing that. Um, but in the post Olympic year, it drops and then it climbs, climbs, climbs. Yeah. 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 So, it, so, so if we can go by previous years' patterns and caveat, obviously with world recessions and everything that's happening in the world, we can't guarantee that. But if you looked at the last patterns, you'd say, well, what's going to happen is 2017 will have this drop, then 2018 will will kind of come back to a similar sort of well, you know, kind of we'll we'll come back to kind of similar sort of number as as we had in you know as 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 we had in 16 and hopefully 2019 will take a step up and then hopefully there'll be a lot of races in 2020 yeah there is and hopefully we'll keep going up there's also a caveat that what happens in the olympic year is an artificial boost in numbers mm-hmm. because well pop-up during races. the olympic pop up races during the olympic qualification period which is you know roughly a year a year something like 15 months maybe there's an incentive for countries to put on races yep so that people from their country can get enough points, points. and i think cynically there's an incentive to put on races and not have them come on the uci calendar so that no one so that other people from other countries can't come and steal your points <laughs> so for example yeah. 
we had last year three races in Israel that had never run before. We had a race in Mexico. We had two extra races in Thailand. Uh, we had a race in Poland, the Tour of Polonga, which last happened in 2008. You know, we've got, and we have the Venezuelan, <laughs> and we have the Venezuelan races yep. where there's a set of three Venezuelan, they have like six, six, six Venezuelan races. And usually three of them only happen in the Olympic year. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, this is a, like, this is not like, this is a theme. This is like the third year they've only happened in the Olympic year. So you have to look at it as well saying, I, I would actually rather the UCI didn't let some of these pop-up races happen where they're going to have a very small field. They're not going to have the top teams and they're a cynical points because if women can race in Thailand and Israel and, and, and you know, even, you know, uh, the USA, some, some, some pop-up races might be in the USA, for example. If races, if women can only race once every four years, that's not growing the sport. Exactly. And I don't think they should be allowed point one and point two categories yes. in the same as races that have been there for, for ages. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've said this or versions of this over the years. Um, quite simply put, as far as I'm concerned, if a new race is going for, you know, 1.1 or 1.2 categorization, because God forbid they shouldn't be able to just enter at World Tour level, um, they have to have a, a multi-year commitment. Like, to me, that just, that has to be part of, okay, you want to add a new race at the top level, then you've got to guarantee that it will it will take place at least two or three years, you know, like, yeah, it, it, you yeah, just no. have to. I think I think it's really important because again it's like I feel sorry for good new races. So for example, one of the good new races we had this year was the women's tour of, was the women's tour of Yorkshire, yep. and Yorkshire suffered because uh, Yorkshire was late onto the calendar, and I suspect that might have been because of national federation issues, not because of problems the problems they had. Right. And so of course they had a small a small turnout, and it didn't help last year that they had a women's race that wasn't UCI ranked, but it was very very small distance yeah. very very short distance and so they you know they, they're not going to get and they're on at the same time as the elsie jacobs and a, and a load of other races they're not going to get the, they're never going to get the same field as the giro or flesh on or something like that so i feel for them so on the one hand you know it's sad that it's really you know being added onto the calendar late was a problem for them but they're a strong race but when you look at it and you look at so many new races just cancel and so many new races cancel before they even start, then allowing this to happen means that when a good race, new race starts, they've got a really big sell to get teams to get there. Yeah, yeah. Because if you have a choice between something like Elsie Jacobs, which has been running for years, you know it's you know you know the setup. It's a really strong race. It's got really good organisation. It's definitely going to happen. Or you've got a race that you don't know anything about. The chances are you're going to say okay. I'm not going to go to that race because I've never heard of it. I'll wait a couple of years and see what happens with it. You know, it's, it's just, it's, that's just, that's just, that's just common sense. So yeah, so I I feel, I feel the, the problem is, is there used to be a women's calendar, a women's cycling coordinator in the UCI whose job was to, they weren't, I don't know if they were full time, but they used to, their their job, this was their job. When that job, when that person left, they replaced them with a world tour publicity coordinator, a women's world tour publicity coordinator who does a you know who does a great job of public whose yeah. who's primary role is publicising the world tour races. It's not it's not sure, but it, it's not but a job to organise exactly wrangling wrangling the calendar into some sort of order and and shape is not 
what that job can do, you know. Uh, a, yeah, pub- and a publicity so, role is a whole different thing. Yeah, and it's and it's not there's they, they and there's not enough. I mean, it's a full also you know the world tour publicity is a full time job anyway. So yeah, I'm yeah. not. I would never diss her. I would never diss diss, diss Morgan for no, not no exactly. for not for not doing this. It's not her job. But it seems like and the other thing you know, and it's not just the races because people have been saying, well, we don't know the teams, the official teams haven't been put up on the UCI website for 2017. So if you're a race and you're trying to send out invites, you don't know who the teams are. Awesome. Uh, we don't know the, you know, you don't know, you just don't know who they are. So you, so there's teams that will not get invites to races because with, with the races starting in, um, in same March, same, you know, the, the classics, for example, they're starting in, they're starting in March, end of February, beginning of March. They're not going to, there's all sorts of they've, they've got that nailed down they've got nailed yeah, down yeah. who's invited so it's just it's sad and it's easily sorted it is easily sorted i say it every year the uci should just hire sarah to organize the calendar for them <laughs> easy oh, sorted i wish oh you don't know the admin i i love i do i do love i, I do love i mean for a start admin you could based on what we've heard so far tonight you could just give her excel and that's probably enough <laughs> I think she'd do it for itself. So, so races that we've lost, I, I, I touched on it. We lost, so we lost a couple of races in Thailand, which came late on the calendar, and I think pop up. There's the three races in Israel, which were, I think they were the, they were an extension of the races that tried to be in Syria yep. for the last couple of, for the last, for the last however many years, and did actually run a, did actually run about four or five years ago. But you know, obviously, Golan races isn't exactly yeah. going to. It will, um, it's yeah. a different kind of race these days, tragically enough. So we lost the Tour de Pologne, which was one year. We lost the, the the race in Finland, which was a late onto the calendar race. It was live streamed, but it happened on at the same time about four other races. I'm not surprised they didn't get a, yeah. uh, a a large field. I can see why they might have decided that you saw it. We lost the Venezuelan races, not just the three races that normally don't happen outside of Olympic year, but also the other three. But, you know, again, they've had they only had about 26 riders in each of those races because of, you know, with the civil unrest that was happening in the country. Most countries had them on a don't go there list. Yeah. Um, then other races that we've lost, we've lost the Tour de San Luis in Argentina and the San Luis, the GP de San Luis. And that's really sad because they were lovely, lovely races and live. But the men's, they've had financial problems and the men's race has gone to, I hope they can come back. Some, we, and we, last year, last week we talked about the, the loss of the Tour de Qatar, which is partly to do with, um, which, which they say has to do with lack of money. I think it's more to do with the fact that they know that they're not going to get the Olympics, yeah. so there's no reason to have it. I, and also being in a snit about the <laughs> fact that the Qatar World Championships weren't well received. Yes, <laughs> I, I think I think we all sort of know the real reasons, even though the official story is quite different. Um, yeah. yeah. So other races that have gone. Um, We've talked before about Amstel Gold and the Age Bastogne Age, a new races for 2017, and I'm really happy about them coming on. But it does mean that, for example, the Ronde van Gelderland has gone because it clashes with one of them. Yep. Um, and they've just decided, oh, too this hard. is too hard. And the Bowles Rental Hills Classic has gone because the Amstel Gold has come on the calendar. Now, that is basically because the Bowles Rental Hills Classic was pretty much the same race as the women's end still gold and it had the same sponsors and so i i think it's i think it's you know so it's i think it's right that that one goes 
and instead it becomes Amstel Gold, you know? Yeah. I, I just, that's, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have the important men's classics having women's races too. Yes. I, 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 it's one of the things, like, I'm, I'm a very uh, strong believer in women's racing having its own identity and being its own thing, but I think it's important that it acknowledge, um, or not not that women's cycling acknowledge, but that cycling acknowledge that it is part of cycling. And so these these key races, you know, like we've talked about over and over and over again, the, the big classics, the monuments, the races that everyone knows what they are and everyone knows to look out for them, you know, it, it is important, I think, to have women's editions of those races. Absolutely. I mean, especially in the Netherlands, yeah. especially in the Netherlands, which is such a country that has so much more equity yeah. than, 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 than most, than our countries does, yeah, you know, yeah, like absolutely. social equity. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. So Liège is there. We've also got some more. So, so, so some of those races we've lost are pop up. Some of them are, just sad and and sad yeah. and i'm you know i'm always going to miss san luis i'm always going to miss well qatar we talked about last week i have problems yeah, with alan steiner rad sportage in germany we're down to just one race uci level race in germany yeah which is a shame because they used to have world cups and they have such good riders yeah but the new races uh other new races this year we haven't got as many new races as last year and but to be honest with the number of new races we had last year that never happened yeah. i don't think that's such a bad thing exactly um i think the, the new races this year are much more reliable in terms of likely yeah. to happen so well for example the dwarves door i'm still gold liege they're definitely going to happen the dwarves door de vlanderen is a pre-existing classic yep. that is run by flanders classics who run ronde van vlanderen and omnipet and all of those races and they've, this race has been running for a couple of years as a national level race. Now it's a UCI race. I think that's great. I always want more classics in Flanders. That's yeah. great. Um, the GP Du Bois, a.k.a. the Kristen Armstrong race. It's named after Kristen, Kristen Armstrong. It's a new standalone race in the USA. And it's, it's a standalone ITT. Yeah, I was going to say, for it has men to and be women, a time trial with, with, you know, being named for Kristen Armstrong. It has to be a TT. Yeah. It's the chrono, the chrono Kristen Armstrong. <laughs> and that's, that's, and it's the only um, UCI standalone ITT in the USA. Which, so, hurrah. That, that's a great thing. Honestly, it is. That's, that's awesome. And then the other new race, some of my Spanish friends are not sure if it's going to go ahead or not, but it's called the Semana Ciclista Valenciana, so it's in Valencia, and it was apparently due to happen something like four or five years ago, never happened, Right. and it's on the calendar, uh, my Spanish friends really, 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 really want it to happen, we're not just right. in this race, we all want more racing in Spain, yep. but yeah, that's but, where, but that's it's, where a, it's happening. it's a don't hold your breath on it thing, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the kind of old and new races. Yeah. Um, well, and this, this kind of leads into like one of my main observations reading through your posts, and, and now that we've been talking about it a bit too, is I think one of the challenges I I think for the UCI here is that as they try to grow the calendar, I think they also have the the other side of the equation, which given how much of the the history of the UCI has focused you know not quite exclusively but almost exclusively on men's road racing and the fact that men's racing has um, established tiers for teams and for races and and 
you know, clear development pathways and stuff like that, but that those are all based in Europe. I think this does land the UCI in a spot where genuinely I don't think they actually quite know what to do about growing the sport and growing the the stability of the the sport for women's teams and for women's races. Um, and for me, this leads into things like here in Oceania, where we have fewer UCI races. We don't have the races in New Zealand that we had, pre- you know, just a couple of years ago anymore. Um, we have, as you've observed, the the Bay Crits are UCI races for the men, but not for the women. Um, we have well, the UCI Crit races, which don't count. Which I mean, I, yeah. I don't. I'm, I I just I don't count that for the for the first time. Crits, women's crits are ranked as UCI races, but it doesn't give you points. It doesn't give yeah, you yeah. So they're races, benefits. but not races. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. So I'm not counting them because yeah. just as the same way as the men's races don't count crits as, as road races, they're exactly. a separate beast. Exactly. But to to my mind, there's like two sort of key elements to this. One is that you know ideally we want to to grow the sport in terms of number of races, number of racing opportunities, and um, number of race days the UCI also wants to grow the sport in terms of global presence. They want more races around the world and more riders from around the world racing, which leads me to the very simple um, and, in my mind, reasonably obvious solution that I think there has to be room to create an intermediate tier of races for, for example, the Australian NRS series isn't going to be European-level racing, but potentially could be a, a UCI development level racing, you know? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, we've been talking about this for literally years. Yeah. Everyone's been talking about need, needing tiers. And the thing that's, I mean, I, I disagree that the that the Australian NRS races can't be at UCI at the moment because the USA uh, national race, I mean, you, you look at some of those races yeah, okay. that are UCI level, yep. and there's a lot of those races that, that I, aren't... I that take, aren't that aren't the same that aren't the same level as yes i take your point on that i guess i'm coming at it from the other end where i'm saying i would also relegate those races to a new level yes. a development level. yes well what we need what we do need is a development level because at yep. the moment there's only one level i mean god i feel but, like i've said this, this a million times exactly we've said it over and over and over again but to me this is like a clear like almost a two birds with one stone kind of situation where oh. if we created like an, a u.s development series an oceania development series and asian development series and an african development series and a south american development series all of a sudden we're really close to sort of developing global racing because if you can if 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 those grow as they do and we're already seeing this in the u.s as some races are getting stronger and competition from u.s riders is getting better you know you you are helping the sport towards um both of its goals of growth in terms of racing and um and globalization at the same time yeah, and I put this in the. I mean, the thing the thing that's interesting about this is because I've also looked at where the races are going to happen um, in in twenty seventeen, and let's just have a quick, a qu- just a little quick run through. So we talked about where the races are in in twenty seventeen. There's going to be no race, no UCI races in Africa. Three in Asia. That's the Tour of Chongming Islands uh, stage race. And the World Tour Cup. of Susha. No, only one oh, this year. Yeah. The Tour of Chongming Island World Tour, yep. the Tour of Sushan Island, and the Ladies Tour of Thailand. Yeah. Right. Yep. There's two World Tour. There's two UCI races in Oceania: um, Santos Women's Tour and, and the, the Cadillac Evans Road Race. Yep. Fifty-eight races in Europe. Yep. Um, 
11 races in North and Central America. So that's obviously the American races and Canadian races, the bulk of that. They also have the races in Costa Rica, for example. And then there's no races at all in South America. Yeah. Now, the UCI counts the America North and South America is the same continent for the purposes of their tour. But I think it's important that getting from, you know, the distance between yeah. Argentina and Chile exactly. to get up to, to get up to race, you know, to get up to race in, even in Mexico, for example, not that it's in Costa Rica, yeah. there's a race in Costa Rica is enormous. Absolutely. I, so there's, and the other thing, and with the increase in the world tour this year, so they've added two races to the world tour that have been um, promoted, the Ladies of Norway and the Barge Rental Women's Tour, which, in the Holland Ladies Tour, basically. Yep. Both of those absolutely should be in the world tour. Of course they should be, I, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, but when you're adding... But when you're adding more races, this means that the world tour has become less world. Yes. And, I mean, I personally would be... And so, so there is a question when you look at this, because it's not that there aren't women's races in, um, in, in some of these countries. So, for example... In Japan, they have the, 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 the Japan Cup and I think the Okinawa Cup. I'm not entirely, I'm not 100% convinced about that, but definitely Japan, the, sorry, definitely the Okinawa Cup. Not sure about the Japan Cup. Are races where the men's races are part of the uh, UCI's Asia Tour in the continental level, yeah? yeah? And then the women's races are national level races. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, them, so as, as, as you say, definitely give them a tour. But there's a thing that you could do. You could say to them, hey, this is my project. This is the project I do to find out how the UCI could increase racing. The first thing I'd do is I'd go to existing races that's a national level and I'd say, hey, why, why, have you thought about becoming UCI yeah. level? Yeah. And why, if you have, if you have why, why yeah. haven't you actually done it? Yeah, what, what are the yeah. barriers in place? What are your worries about it? What are the positives? What are the negatives? Yeah. So you'd go to the NRS races and you'd say, hey, NRS races, hey, Okinawa Cup, hey, Japan Cup. Uh, race, you know, these races, what, what, what stops you becoming a UCI race? Yeah, yeah. And then you can listen and, and understand. And then you'd go to races like, you know, the, the, the races that are standalone races, like some of the races that there are standalone women's races in South Africa and Australia, and say, "Hey, you're a standalone race. How come you haven't, you know, what?" But you'd ask yeah. them, "Why? Why has your race got UCI registered for the men, but not for the women?" Yeah, and it could be that they think, "Well, we'd actually, you know, the rules say that you've got to have this many riders and this many teams in this many countries, and we just don't think we could do it." Or it could be that they say, "Look, we had to pay twenty thousand euros." Yeah. to become a usarius we just don't have that and then also we have to do drugs testing which is you know which is the thing that basically scuppered the new zealand race the tour of new zealand because yeah. they're saying just the cost of drugs testing was so phenomenal from new zealand that it, it because the nearest you know because of the having to get it to a uci registered drugs lab yeah and then you can say so you'd look at those and you'd say okay well maybe we can do something about it maybe we can reduce the cost of becoming a UCI race if you're in a if you're in one of our targeted continents yeah, targeted exactly. countries or, or offer some kind of infrastructural support you know maybe they can lower the cost but also go look um, you know while there's a requirement for broadcasting we can actually help you with that you know if you can provide a camera feed we can make sure that it it's oh, but the requirement for or whatever the requirement for broadcasting is only is only for the world tour, and yeah, it's not I, even for all of the world tours. Yeah, I, you know, I that's, know. I'm I'm dreaming of a theoretical, you know, better future. 
but my my point being you know that that the uci can be at the moment i feel like they 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 talk a good game about what they want to achieve but i think they could be much more proactive about trying to build this reality you know yeah. And then the second thing, the second thing that I think they can do is they can approach races that have women men's races and don't have women's races and say to them, hey, why don't you have a women's race and listen to what they say about it. Mm. Um, now, in some parts of the world, there's going to be places where, you know, where women aren't even where women aren't even allowed to ride bikes. And I completely get that in some parts of the world. There are going to be places where some countries are going to say, no, it's not culturally appropriate for women to ride bikes. We saw that at the tour of at the World Championships in Qatar, Susanna Anderson was knocked off her bike by a police officer mm. um, while she was riding back from the junior yeah. time trial world champs, uh, time trial world champs because the police officer because women aren't allowed to ride bikes and they're not allowed to wear lycra and sneak, yeah. like, you know yeah. clothes and that's you know i would rather i don't think that it's, you know i mean you know if someone for example suggested having a bike race in the democratic republic of congo for example i'd be holy shit no yeah, yeah. you know not the best so idea i i do I do accept that there are some places where they'll never have women's races and that's fine, but there could be, you know, you could ask the tour of Rwanda, for example, Hey, have you, have you thought about a women's race? What would you need to put on a women's race? Yeah. Yeah. And that be, and that, and they could say, Oh, well, you know, well, we need, we need to know that we'd get people coming or we'd need to know how to run it. We'd need to, you know, we'd need to have support for it. We need to have support planning the, planning the race. We, we're not sure how to put on two races at the same time because we're stretched. As it is. Yep. And again, you could give them support, infrastructure support. And say, okay, well, you know, we can help you. We can, we can hook you up with these people who do the same thing and they yep. give you advice, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or we could or, hook you, or we could help you find sponsors. Yes. And I think, and that's, yes. I think there's a huge this, role for the UCI to play in, in development, um, races with with finding sponsors and partners um you know from both sides in terms of race organization partners and you know the sponsors for the sport for the event for teams and all of that sort of stuff and because this is the thing is that we we live in a, a connected world you know and and there are businesses doing business all over the world and so there are very very few places where there isn't some kind of business that would be potentially interested in putting a bit of cash behind uh sponsoring a sporting event you know assuming it gets the right attention and mix all of this can be done all all of it can be done it's just a matter of the right people actually being committed to making it work and in this context that definitely falls to the uci I think it's also there are some really really quick wins like you look at i mean if we're allowing the israel races and the venezuelan races and stuff like that into the calendar and obviously i you know i have feelings about that but if but we are in a situation where those races are allowed to come in so why not get why not encourage races like the um tour de okinawa or you know the japan cup the the nrs races in australia to also be used to also be uci level you know the key thing i think is this is a kind of research project that's a really simple it's a really you know i've I've did project management for the public sector for years so this is this is stuff all of these things are things that i've and i used to work for for voluntary for the voluntary sector so all of these types of projects are stuff that i've done for other organizations for organizations so there is a very quick win of asking people why you know why are you not uci level seeing what the barriers are yeah 
and be able to identify the quick win you know then you identify which barriers can be done can be sorted out quickly which is which is going to take a, take a lot more time what and then you have your five year you know this is my one year plan by the end of this year we want races we want at least one race in these countries let's see how we can target that then i've got my you know three-year plan and my five-year plan and my 10-year plan exactly. and in 10 years we've got a continental level of races for yep. the women of course it's not as big as the men's continental rate level but you can say actually yeah we've got riders don't have to leave oceania yeah yeah exactly and and you can go through all of that in as much detail speaking of which feel free to join us next week as we go through sarah's five-year plan day by day uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i was just looking at the time and going, oh, shit, we're out of time um some quick things I just wanted to mention. I just want to highlight for you to bring to your attention the uh, the, the the if you want if you've ever there's a really fun thing. Dan has different feelings about this than I, but I love this. The um, WM3 Women's Cycling Desk and they've got a current competition out. Oh look, I, I you... think it's a great competition. I just you know think they've chosen a. I I'm similarly mystified by the platform choice as you are by SBS's platform choice. Yes. Um, basically, you can go onto Facebook for La Ridley, which are the bikes they're going to be using. So I'm assuming La Ridley is Ridley Bikes' female brand. I had no yes, idea. I believe but, you it know, is. I'd, yes. never even, I'd, never, I'd never heard of La Ridley before this competition. Now I've heard of La Ridley. So La, I, I, at first I so it's it was LA Ridley. Yeah, so... Yes, it is working. So you can go onto the LA Ridley <laughs> Facebook page and you can vote for the design of bike that Mariana Voss and her team, WM3 Women's Cycling, will be racing in 2017. I mean, obviously, you're going to vote for either one or three of the options because they're the best ones by far. One, obviously. But, um, you know, either way, it's it's worth a, worth a look and a click. Go for it. I, I, really, I, think it's, I just think it's a really nice no, I way. Think it's, for, I genuinely, like I said, might... I think it's a great promotion. I just fucking don't love Facebook, that's all. Well, it is going to be interesting. I guess the thing is, is that a lot of people who make these decisions have been using Facebook forever. Oh, yeah, but without you, can't, you, realizing... can't, you can't deny the reality of it. I mean, in my work, like literally I have Facebook because of my work. So, you know, and that's what but... I use it for is work because it's where everyone but... else is. You've all ruined it for everyone. Thank you. No, but <laughs> the youngsters, the youth, the youth, I mean, it's the youth aren't even on Twitter. Yeah, but, that's, on Twitter but that's, why Facebook, that's why Facebook keeps buying things like Instagram and WhatsApp and whatever else. They keep buying the youth back. They, they yeah, yeah, still have they, all the youth. They're just on different products. Yes, but the youth can't. Yes, but even if Facebook owns those products, if the youth are on those products, then and then they're not seeing what's on Facebook. They're not seeing what's on Facebook. Do you no, know what I mean? Facebook's, so, Facebook's seeing what they're doing, which is what Facebook actually wants. Facebook's the anyway. world's largest um, surveillance company. So, hurrah! That's a different podcast, um, though. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. So yes, uh, go on to. Go go and have a look at that because it's always fun to, to have competitions. The prizes are awesome, by the way, that you get into, when you do this. When you yeah, give your like details over to La Ridley, um, in return you can get some pretty damn good prizes. So, like you know, trips to races, mm. uh, VIP VIP things, like just just fun things and bikes and stuff like that. Yep. Um, I think I think you can actually win like Mariana Voss is the nanny for your firstborn one year or something like that. Like it's it's crazy how good some of these prizes are. It's wild. I, I no, not as your not as the nanny. Nanny Mariana Voss as your as your um. Yeah, anyway, um, 
other things we yeah, noticed. I think, this... I think it being an unbelievable prize was what I was going for. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, I, you see, I just flashed to when Emma Johansson started her cycling oh, career. No, she had yes, to work as a, yes, she had to work as an au pair yes. to be able to fund her cycling career. So yes, it just flashed okay. me some to some very bad times right, in women's yeah, yeah. cycling. So you got some where... PTSD from it. I, I apologise. Yeah. Okay. I got, yes. Um, you should have put a trigger warning on it. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I'm not against trigger warnings. No. Um, yeah, go to our site, prowomenscycling.com, and you'll be able to see all, all sorts of other things that we haven't got time to talk about this week. You'll be able to see all my um, random ex- exercises in not Excel, and I'll be putting yeah. some more up this week too yeah. with the shape of the season so you can see, you can see where the clashes are going to be. Uh, you can also see, I love this, um, during the Paralympics, the hand cycling, you know, with the Paralympics struggled with money and they made a decision yeah. to just to not show a load of sports and one of the sports they decided not to show was the paracycling road paralympic road cycling so if you're in britain we got to see quite good clips and highlights of the road races where brits british where which british people were likely to do well in but nothing else right and hand cyclist karen dark a Karen cyclist and adventurer and all round like inspiring woman Karen Dark decided this is a bit bullshit. And so she did a crowdfunder to raise money to make a film about hand cycling at the Paralympic Games. It's not it's not a oh, long film, awesome. it's like it's it's a short it's a short little short film to, to look at hand cyclists yeah. at the para, at the Paralympic Games and that's out now on Vimeo and I'm you know, it's just it's just oh. a little delightful thing. It's yeah, one of those yeah. be to see she saw a problem she raised the money she she solved it yeah, and yeah. i i'm you know congrats karen dark is one of my inspiring yeah, women awesome. in cycling who i love so yes cool. watch that but yes you can still things like that i'll put up on the site how to watch um, national championships of cyclocross and of other things uh, road, yep. uh australian road uh new zealand road will be stream life this year as well so head over there pro cycling.com and um, come back next week if you are from the uci and listening um just hire sarah to sort out your calendar for you um if you're shy about admitting that you need the help then just go to patreon.com slash women's cycling and contribute two thousand pounds a month to her patreon and i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure she'll be willing to help you out on that basis so you know go oh for my it. god I, leg- I legitimately have so many things that i'd love to oh god yeah, imagine yeah. if i if See? i if i could so, so many Brian projects i'd love to you talk a good i'd game. love to I'd on. love to do. I would love to do. I would love to do the project of why aren't there, why yep. why aren't why aren't you running women's races? Come what on, Brian. Your race, Brian, you uh, know it's the right thing to do. Oh. Just look, get in touch with us. Um, hit me up on Twitter at Dan W Official. I'll negotiate um, <laughs> a, a modest fee on Sarah's behalf because she needs me to do that for her. Honestly, um, <laughs> she doesn't put enough zeros on her invoices. Um, Dan never did it last time. He promised to do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>